Welcome to the Onside Podcast. We're here to share stories about innovation-driven entrepreneurship, inspire others, share knowledge, and build a community here in Atlantic Canada. Today, we're sitting down with a local leader and entrepreneur, Cher Chapman, to talk about entrepreneurship, resilience, and collaboration. A native of New Brunswick, Cher Chapman is the CEO of DGI Clinical. She chairs the board of Onside and is an associate at the Creative Destruction Lab Atlantic. She's also the founder of Raspora Consulting. Cher has a master's in health sciences in community health and epidemiology from the University of Toronto and an MBA from London Business School. She's also a proud King's grad and has also served on the board there. For over a decade, Cher has provided guidance to not-for-profits trying to improve their effectiveness. She's aided multinationals in developing impactful shared value programs and facilitated multi-stakeholder partnerships. She has lived and worked in Japan, India, the UK, Vietnam, and Singapore, and is now based in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Thanks so much for being here, Cher, and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad that we have you here. It's uh, so exciting to kick our show off with you. You have such an interesting and exciting background. And I know I shared a a bunch of great things about you uh, with our listeners, but I was hoping maybe you could tell us a little bit more about your background. You're such a well-traveled person and have worked in many different places. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I think um, I've been in Nova Scotia or back in Nova Scotia now for about five years that might be the longest I've lived in one place in a while. Um, and uh, so I am definitely a, a global nomad. And I've enjoyed very much all my time abroad. But I've really, really enjoyed my time back in Nova Scotia, reconnecting with the people here in the Maritimes and also seeing how this entrepreneurial community has come up since I moved away such a long time ago. So you you touched on the fact that I have a background um, in community health and epidemiology. Uh, with a focus actually on infectious disease. So I think two months ago, no one knew what that was. (laughs) But now, unfortunately, uh, in the era of the global COVID-19 pandemic, everyone actually gets what that is. So when I combined that with my MBA, um, I spent a long time kind of straddling the nonprofit world and the research world and the business world Uh, mostly trying to develop innovative business-led partnerships for social issues. And then when I moved back to Nova Scotia, I became the CEO of DGI Clinical and kind of combined, I came full circle to combine my background in both of those areas of health research and business. And we've actually expanded a lot um, in the last five or 10 years. Uh, And we focus uh, on any chronic complex disease now and do research with multinational pharmaceutical companies and med tech companies in the US and Europe. So we've got quite a broad reach, um, as is often the case with so many amazing companies that are bubbling up in Atlantic Canada at the moment. That's awesome. And and you're right, we have a, a really good mix of companies here that are uh, focused on med tech and diagnostics. So you, you seem to be kind of in the, the right place to, based on your, your background and experiences. Um, you know, one of the things that's really important to us here at Onside and kind of uh, our main mission is really to foster this culture uh, where we can create and and have more innovation driven entrepreneurs and companies that are based on innovation 
here in our ecosystem. Uh, and you've traveled around the world. You, you mentioned your background in, in uh, infectious diseases and what you're doing now at DGI. So you've had a, quite a broad uh, exposure to companies that are focused on innovation-driven um, activity. Uh, how would you define innovation-driven entrepreneurship? Yeah, so for me, um, innovation is just at that core, innovation-driven entrepreneurship is at that core foundation for what makes an entrepreneurial company an entrepreneurial company. Um, it's around having a very clear problem that you're trying to solve and using innovative, cutting-edge solutions to solve that problem. And so in a sense, it's really straightforward. But because the value propositions of these companies are so focused around innovative solutions to problems, they have the potential, I think, um, IDE companies to completely transform their industries. And because they have that potential, they're the kind of companies that are poised for really high growth. So I see IDE companies as maybe with a bigger amount of potential than some other companies. Um, and with the ability to actually make a massive dis difference in the industry that they're in. Mm, that's interesting. And and how would you how would you say that an IDE company is different from a, an SME? So a lot of people may have heard that term, small, medium size uh, enterprise or, or entrepreneurship. What's what's kind of the difference between the innovation driven and the the small and medium uh, enterprise because I think I think more people are probably familiar with those kinds of businesses. Yeah, I mean, look, there, there's there's a lot of debate actually about sort of where the cutoff is and what the line is. But I would just say that the innovation driven companies are those that are actually using really creative new solutions that are driven by, it doesn't have to be technology. Um, it could be science. Um, it could be some other um, new way of doing things that's going to allow an industry to basically become um, much more focused and much more successful. So if you take our company, for example, we have a very particular way of doing research that we think is better than all the ways that pharmaceutical companies and med tech companies actually test out whether their therapeutic interventions are working or not. So they all do clinical trials and they all collect different types of data. And we have a new methodology for collecting a special kind of data that's focused on the patient and focused on putting the patient at the center of research, which we think could be transformative. Um, and hopefully provide better outcomes that are easier to interpret and more meaningful and that end up producing better health outcomes for people. So that's an example of an innovation-led um, tech or company or, you know, an IDE company, as opposed to um, an SME may be a perfectly solid business. Like I take, um, for example, my personal trainer, they have a, a great gym and it's a particular size um, and they have a great clientele and they service that clientele very well. And they've created a wonderful community around their gym and they provide a fantastic service for people. But I don't think that the techniques and things that are being used are innovative to the point where it can scale very easily or have the potential to radically transform, for example, the fitness industry or the personal training industry, either in Nova Scotia or beyond. I think that's that's a really good way to think of it. Uh, you know, sometimes, and you've probably heard this sort of analogy before, I sort of think of it as the difference between a chapter's 
uh, you know, which is a kind of traditional bookseller. They do sell some stuff online and an Amazon, you know, um, uh, they're both selling books, but Amazon has over time been able to scale and differentiate itself and go into other markets. You know, they have Amazon web services and, and all these other things. So I think that that's the, I think that that's the part that's really interesting is that ability to scale, to meet sort of global, uh, markets and global challenges and provide those solutions. Yeah. And that's not to say that gyms and other fitness providers can't be IDE companies. They can look at the local spin class um, in a small one room gym with one trainer and seven, 10, 12 bikes versus Peloton. You know, there's, there's a potential there with the Peloton bikes, which if you don't know about them, they allow you to actually, I think, as far as I understand, have a bike unit at home and then you log in and see virtual classes and and programs that you go through looking at a screen while doing a spin class in your own home. So you can see that they can completely transform how fitness is performed and, and consumed by the end user. And they have the potential for massive reach across multiple markets and things like that. Yeah, I think that's true. I know what Peloton is. I've not done it myself. I need to get in way better shape <laughs> before, I can, before I can do that. But yes, I I get the point. I get the point. So so uh, we talked a little bit about some of the things that um, uh, you worked on in your past before coming here to uh, to Nova Scotia and, and to coming uh, to be the CEO for for DGI. Were there certain things that sort of inspired you to uh, be interested in innovation driven entrepreneurship? You, you you seem to have this mix between the work you've done in with not for profits. You know, some things focusing on health, but also focusing on business. Is there something that kind of inspired you uh, to be a little bit more focused on innovation-driven entrepreneurship? Yeah, so I I went through a whole process of transformation over my career from being very devoted to nonprofit approaches to solving social problems and then going through an entire spectrum where I, I came out the other side really thinking that a high growth entrepreneurial business has at least as much or maybe more potential to have a strong social impact than other types of organizations, especially if that, um, if that company uh, actually works in partnership with other organizations. So I, I'm just kind of inspired by that idea to have a business-led approach to social impact. And I like the pace of entrepreneurship. I like the potential, um, the huge opportunity in front of you um, when you think you're you're not just building like a scooter or a bike or a car or a bus, but you're actually trying to build a rocket. It's very exciting and very fun. I also like the ability to myself have a huge influence over developing and nurturing a particular culture or a particular team. So that's really, really fun for me. Um, so yeah, I think those two things, like having trying to find the best way to have a massive impact, combined with the excitement and pace and and everything else that goes along with entrepreneurship, is what kind of inspired me to get involved. Mm, interesting. I, I know at the at the beginning with your introduction, I mentioned that DGI is a purpose led uh, company, I, and I'm not sure if many people. You know, I feel like this is a trend now to have that purpose-led. What what does that mean? What does purpose-led mean? 
Yeah, so I, th- I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of confusion around what a purpose-led company is, and it's just not that complicated. Uh, a purpose-led company has a very clear why to why they're doing what they do and what they're trying to accomplish with what they're doing. And it's not about making a certain amount of money or having a certain size exit or employing a certain number of people. Um, it's about that radical transformation you're trying to produce and the impact that might have on society. And so if you're building something and you continue to come back to that purpose, then that's going to drive you forward. That's going to drive your staff forward. That's going to inform your strategy and allow you to be very, very focused. And then not not surprisingly, um, that goes hand in hand with the ability to scale and, and for high growth. So having a purpose doesn't mean that you're half a nonprofit or that you're necessarily going to funnel some of your profits uh, back into um, a nonprofit channel or some kind of social entrepreneurship. It's, it can very much be about um, high growth and high profitability, but the social impact is still core to everything you do. Hmm, thank you. That's that's really helpful. I appreciate I appreciate your your insights on that because I do think that that's something that's uh, more on the minds of of uh, people, and people are looking at uh, culture as a driver for growth in companies and other things. So it's interesting to uh, to to have that perspective. Now, when uh, you know you you were kind of going on this journey. Um, you said you had multiple transformations and and things like that. Were there some particular barriers or opportunities that were in your way or that you were able to overcome in your entrepreneurship journey? Um, I'm not sure I would see it that way. Like the the way I I look at, um, I would say my career in general is that I have a plan and I'm usually pretty focused with that plan and it's you know, based in values and purpose. But then I like to pop my head up once in a while in the middle of my plan and make sure that I'm being open to all the opportunities that are coming my way. So I call this approach sort of a, it's a, a combination of a focused approach with an open-mindedness. Um, so you kind of, it's a give and take a little bit. Um, and so I, that's been a really important thing for me is just to make sure that I'm alert to other ways of doing things and things that could impact me in a really positive way so that I can make the most of it. And that's exactly what happened with DGI Clinical for me. I came uh, back to Canada and I'd been working in basically developing really high potential partnerships with businesses and nonprofits and governments and other stakeholders um, in a way that allowed them all to achieve the goals that they had. And I was planning to continue that because I'd built a business around it for about 10 or so years. And then this opportunity with DGI Clinical presented itself to me. And it just checked all of the boxes that I had to have this social impact, but also uh, get involved in a much more high growth entrepreneurial endeavor. And so that was a really exciting opportunity. Um, and it's it's been really fun and really rewarding to be a part of it. So uh, it sounds like you have a an open and and flexible sort of uh, approach and and mindset. I think that I think if you're on an entrepreneur's journey, I think that that's that's really important. I think that's important. So we we talk about a little bit about um, 
you know, coming back to to Nova Scotia and being part of this ecosystem and community and and this uh, focus around innovation driven entrepreneurship. Um, and a little bit about uh, what that means and, and the kinds of companies that that uh, that phrase sort of represents. What, what would you say is the state of innovation driven entrepreneurship in Atlantic Canada today? Yeah, so it's it's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, I think it's come a long, long way in the couple of decades that I was away. And since I moved back uh, about five years ago, it's come a long way since then. So I would say that it's in a massive, you know, the Atlantic provinces are in a massive state of transformation and they're really taking advantage of this potential for IDE companies to thrive here. And so I think as more and more people get involved in this ecosystem and more and more interesting, exciting companies crop up and start to have success, that builds upon some you know, the foundations of people who were brave enough to do it years and years ago um, and make a success of it. And it's also, I think, starting to change the culture so that it becomes exciting um, and just less daunting to think about engaging in something like this. So a few years ago, um, a bunch of us uh, went to MIT to learn about how to develop a, a regional entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, for IDE companies. And they explained the two main components that you need to have for IDE growth being the innovation capacity of a region and the entrepreneurial capacity of a region. And I think that Atlantic Canada is coming along in both of those areas very much. But because of our really strong education system and post-secondary institutions and the government support uh, for research, I think we are way ahead with our innovation capacity. So the number of solutions, like cutting edge, world-class solutions that are being picked up from everybody or by everybody from, you know, Telstra to Novartis to whatever, coming to Nova Scotia um, and other places in Atlantic Canada for these innovations is very, very high. And I think where we hadn't had as much experience is in actually um, going out and starting these companies and turning these innovations into these potentially high growth organizations that could scale beyond Atlantic Canada to something bigger. And now that um, entrepreneurial capacity is starting to come along as well. So you see or post-secondary organizations actually offering really creative um, and great programming for learning entrepreneurial skills and things like that. Um, so that's been really, really exciting to see. And I've seen massive changes like that in the last five years. So I think we're, we're in a pretty good place, actually. Well, I think we're I think we're headed in the right direction. And you talked a little bit uh, about uh, that program with with uh, with MIT. And I know that uh, one of the things that is talked about that allows an ecosystem to sort of uh, grow and develop and um, accelerate um, is this idea around uh, collective impact. Um, and collective impact has been used to, to solve uh, global problems that are complex and challenging. And I, I know you have some experience uh, in, your, in your past work using collective impact. Can you, can you talk to us a little bit about what collective impact is and how you've 
used it in your your um, past work and how you think it might be helpful kind of in the the current situation? Yeah, so you know in in the current context, um, what might resonate with some people is just this phrase that we're all throwing around in in the wake of recent tragedies, and I think also with covid. COVID-19, which is just stronger together. And it may sound like a trite saying that's meant to kind of be a rallying cry for everybody to just be supportive, but there's really great science um, that shows that uh, when groups, especially groups that are um, diverse, come together and collaborate in in a particular way or in a methodological kind of way, uh, they actually will be more successful than each individual group would be on its own. So my previous experience with collective impact was mostly in the nonprofit sector, bringing a variety of different groups together to rally around a shared vision and then try to work together towards that shared vision, each as very different stakeholders with very different mandates in their organizations but with the purpose very much to actually set out to create something where the parts are greater than, you know, the sum is greater than the parts, if you know what I mean. Is that right? Sum is greater than the, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, so um, that's my my previous experience of it. But in, in building an IDE ecosystem, there are key players that really, when they work together, make for a much more robust ecosystem that produces many more IDE uh, organizations that have the ability to really scale. And we look at five different stakeholder groups at being core to uh, developing that ecosystem. Uh, The first stakeholder and the most important one, of course, is the entrepreneurial group. So the entrepreneurs need to be supported and they need to be working in an environment where they can get access to the things they need for success. Then we have government stakeholders who provide incentives and other types of support. Then there's venture capital. Uh, Entrepreneurs, or most of them, can't do much without funding uh, in the early days and investment. Um, in addition to that, we have these post-secondary um, groups, which are so important to help build that innovative environment that can channel uh, talent and other groups into the entrepreneurial ecosystem. But in addition to that, you need industry players who can, for example, buy some of the products from entrepreneurs or have challenges and problems that the entrepreneurs can solve. And so that whole community, when it comes together, Uh, can really work to transform an ecosystem and make it more robust to allow these kind of organizations to thrive. Yeah, I think um, collaboration and and working together, kind of pulling in the same direction definitely um, has a lot of benefits instead of uh, groups, uh, although well-meaning, kind of going off in in different directions and pulling in slightly different different areas uh, and uh, not moving in 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 the same direction. So... Now, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, momentum and people kind of pulling together, uh, you know, related to what's happening with COVID-19. Um, as an entrepreneur, has, has your work been impacted by what's happening now uh, under the COVID-19 situation? Uh, yeah, for sure. So I made the decision really early 
um, I think over six weeks ago to work uh, remotely entirely for our team. And although it wasn't um, extremely difficult, it definitely presented some challenges for us because uh, this just wasn't the normal way. Even we're, though we were a small entrepreneurial team, you kind of assume it's natural to work remotely, but nobody did. We all worked together every day. So that has actually gone incredibly well. And we've tried to be very innovative and very prescriptive at the same time for how we work together. And I would say that it's actually um, worked out in such a way that we're probably going to come through this a lot stronger as a team um, than we have been or than we had been in the past. So we've been able to kind of increase our efficiency, increase our communication, um, increase our focus so that we're uh, forced to collaborate on the same things at the same time and be a little more prescriptive about that. So that's been a, a positive thing for us. Um, the markets where we work are really unstable. So we mostly provide digital products and services for clinical trials. And as you might imagine, all those clinical trials are postponed or on hold. So in addition to all the tactical things that we need to do, we're having to be very creative about how we see our work going forward um, and how we're going to try to maintain the same position or improve the position that we had already before COVID-19 hit. So it's kind of a, a forced um a forced sense of innovation at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure many companies, uh, well, pretty much everybody is is in a forced uh, situation and trying to to figure out how to pivot, how to reach their customers. You know, we have people making masks and and uh, all those kinds of things. So, I think we're all we're all trying to figure that out. But it sounds like you're you've been quite thoughtful uh, in trying to one protect your your staff and and have the ability to have moved things uh, virtually and then uh, thinking broader about how to position your yourself and your and your company to be ready for that uh, that uh, rebound and that next wave so I think that's great you're locally um, you know because you are a, a company that's in the uh, health sciences area and there has been a lot of uh, movement and momentum you know in trying to respond to the covid-19 pandemic have you seen certain things in your industries in your industry that you had not expected uh, you know uh, in a collaborative nature or trying to solve a, a problem together yeah there's there's nothing like a global pandemic to get everybody collaborating and working together for sure um and i would say that the circumstances are really tough, um, but it's a joy to see the new approaches that people are taking to collaboration. So for us, like you said, like I started off very specifically at the at the beginning in a very tactical approach, um, trying to get the lay of the land and first ensure the health and well-being of our team. And that's a continued issue, um, especially now around mental health impacts and other things like that. And then after that was kind of settled and sorted, and at least we were on track, then we had this opportunity to, or I do especially, to take a deep breath and look around and, and use this time as an opportunity for some really um, important strategic thinking. So that's been really exciting for us and really um, interesting, all the ideas that we've had in the last few weeks, especially 
um, knowing that business as usual is no more business as usual and having to try to think outside the box. And we actually, we work with most global pharmaceutical companies that everybody's heard of and a few big med tech companies. And we, in my time, certainly we've had no clients whatsoever in Canada, let alone in Atlantic Canada. Um, so our, our radar is very much outside of Canada, mostly in the U.S. and Europe. And it's been really exciting for us as a team to think about the opportunity to give back and try to do something locally um, in Nova Scotia to help the Nova Scotia Health Authority or on a national level to help other provincial health authorities in, the, in the, um, both the research around uh, COVID-19 and also um, remote health remote health management for people, which is something that we can do. And it's been really exciting to see the collaboration in Nova Scotia around um, a lot of these things. You know, so the, the, the good news is because we've come a long way in the last five years that I've seen and clearly in the decades, bef- you know, since, you know, in the last few decades, there is an ecosystem here and it's thriving. So it's not that difficult, actually, to bring everybody together because we know each other, we're communicating, there's a culture of openness, um, there's a culture of collaboration that's been forming over the last several years in Nova Scotia. And it's been really neat to see organizations rallying to try to work together to have impacts, you know, whether it's here in Nova Scotia or, or beyond. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right. I think one of the the strengths of Atlantic Canada is that we're sort of uh small but nimble, uh not, not geographically small, but uh we have a a flexibility and a closeness with a lot of great uh resources and assets at our disposal uh and a willingness to to work together so that we're sort of in it in it all together to try to make things uh move ahead. So, appreciate that. We're uh, getting close to the end, and I want to make sure I get a couple of extra questions in um, to uh, to give our listeners a, a little bit more of a sense about you and your journey. Um, if you could turn back time, what would you say to yourself uh, 10 years ago? <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> um, with, uh, with collective impact, and with um, multi-stakeholder approaches um, to solving social problems and with purpose-led business and all these things that I was discovering and really excited about, I, I think I would say, um, not in a self-satisfied way, but in an encouraging way, you're on the right track. Because uh, it, it's been a decade and this is still the stuff that gets me so excited, you know, when, when disparate groups come together, work towards a common cause, you know, you know, take the ocean supercluster and then work on that bid together and win that bid and develop an extraordinary um, opportunity for all of Atlantic Canada that absolutely no province could have done on their own, no individual organization could have done on their own. It's just so exciting and so rewarding. And you see tons of those projects bubbling up in the wake of all that, where you've got five, six, seven government, nonprofit, business, and other entities joining together to try to do things that are going to help grow the pie and not think of it 
as a, a static thing that can be sliced up um, by different groups so they can each have their small share. So that kind of growth mindset and that approach to, to business, I think, is going to be more and more exciting and more and more accessible for people um, as time goes on. And um, I was thinking about it a decade ago, and I'm still excited by it now. So I'd probably give myself some words of encouragement to stick <laughs> with it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. If, um, if somebody was inspired by you, what, what would you tell them? So I, I liked your I liked your your last response, um, but I'm also curious if somebody if somebody was inspired by you, what what would you tell them? Oh well, probably none of these ideas are mine, <laughs> so <laughs> so I'd have to go through a long bibliography and list of creative thinkers out there who inspired me, so they'd know where um, the inspiration was truly coming from. Um, but I think, I think that's it. I, I, I did touch on that before, but my approach to sticking with these ideas that you think are exciting and creative and that get you, you know, whatever it is all jazzed up to keep going is really important. Um, but it's not so important that you should keep your head in the sand when opportunities do come your way. So I'm trying very hard. It's not always easy, but in this situation we're all in with COVID-19, I'm trying very hard to look for the opportunities um, and to make sure that if they're there, we fully take advantage of them so that we come out as a society and in my case with my team as a team and as a company, as a much stronger, uh, more resilient company that's been able to grow through this experience. So I guess I'd probably you know, give some words of wisdom like that. Um, try to look at the challenges as opportunities. And when in doubt, the opportunity to collaborate is always more lucrative um, and and usually more successful than the opportunity to compete. Hmm. Based on that, are there uh, are there are there any resources or, or tools or books or anything like that that you're reading that are inspiring you right now? Yeah, so I've gone back to the basics um, at this time. And so I'm following the same few people that I used to follow 10 years ago and just thinking about them more and more and all the things that they've uh, taught me and have allowed me to learn over time. So I do follow a lot of, um, I would say, researchers and sometimes psychologists and others who talk about um, resilience. Um, and the opportunity to grow through tra- through challenge, and there's a lot of science um, and things around that. Um, so you know, there's some popular people out there. Um, even Sheryl Sandberg, when she wrote her book Plan B, I think it was called, right? Mm, yes. Um, and she wrote it with Adam Grant. He's a really clear, uh, innovative thinker in that area, and he applies all these principles to the business world. So I'm following a lot of the things that he's saying at the moment. I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. Um, he's one of the early founders of the purpose-led business. His books, um, especially books like Leaders Eat Last and Start With Why, uh, things like that, um, which he's, and he's now got a really great uh, approach and a really great uh, way of looking at business as an, in, with an infinite mindset. 
which is really inspiring um, and exciting. So I'm thinking a lot about uh, the kinds of things that he's saying as well. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll take those uh, recommendations. I, I have a super long uh, book club list as it is, but I will add these uh, add these to my list. And actually, I have a whole bunch of other resources and books that other people have recommended. So I'll I'll add all those suggestions as well. Um, Cher, I want to thank you for your your time today. I've really enjoyed uh, having you here. If um, if our listeners want to learn more about you or your company, what's the what's the best way that uh, people can can find you? Yeah, definitely. LinkedIn is easy. I'm happy to connect with people, um, and our company does have a website dgiclinical.com, um, which we're revamping soon. Uh, but most of the stuff is up there, and I'm always happy to have conversations about stuff like this and uh, connect with people and hear their stories and learn from them as well. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for your, your time. We really enjoyed having you on our podcast today and sharing your immense uh, experience and insights on so many things from uh, the entrepreneurship uh, attitude, being flexible, the benefits of collaboration, your perspectives on uh, the ecosystem that's growing and developing here. So I want to thank you for that. I also want to thank our audience for listening. We know that there are lots of podcasts and lots of things you could be doing with your time. And we appreciate that you've decided to uh, listen to our podcast. Uh, You can check out our uh, Twitter at Onside Now. And our website is onsidenow.ca. So appreciate you uh, checking us out and we'd be happy to have you come by and listen to our our next episode. Want to uh, send a shout out to our awesome innovation engagement manager, Sharon, who helped uh, put this all together as well as Podstarter. So thank you very much. 